From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. It's Theo Dorsey filling in for Ken LaVica. Stone LeBanowitz in here with me for Ken LaVica Live, and we're presented by... The FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Visit fau.edu slash MBA sport. So let's run this back. Last night, Steph Curry opens up game one of the NBA Finals in San Francisco with six three-pointers made in the first quarter. Finals record. Jason Tatum gets held three for 17 through the night, but the Celtics still pull out the 120 to 108 win, coming back in that fourth quarter from down 12 to enter and then winning by 12. It was amazing. It was incredible. Great win for the Celtics. They're now up one zip in the NBA Finals. But it brings the question out. What is the most mesmerizing, inevitable, show-stopping force in sports when it's all clicking? That's what we've been asking. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. I say it's the Golden State Warriors. We're bringing in Chris Coquel, Fort Pierce Westwood football coach. Uh, he's going to give us one, and I, I don't think – his team is his team going to be involved in this answer stone? Is he going to be that guy? I mean, if it is, we will oh. immediately hang up. on Yeah, him. yeah. What you got, Coquel? All right. Well, since I can't say the Fort Pierce <laughs> Westwood offense, which is powered by St. Lucie Battery and Tire, by the way, great job by them and HSS Florida for helping teams. Just want to throw that out there. The fine folks helping hey. our youth community at all times, all over the place. This is our show. You're not going to take over it with your promo reads, Coquel. <laughs> Who is the best show in sports? I don't know if they still are, even though I do think they're going to bounce back and have a better year than people think they are. But that Mahomes team, when they won the Super Bowl with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, when they had the ball, you just knew something special was going to happen. It was just so fun to watch. So Patrick Mahomes, even with these new guys and Justin Ross getting drafted, he's going to resurrect that career. I think Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes' offense mm. is just show-stopping. It's must-see appointment TV. It reminds me of I'm an old guy. And it reminds me of no the way. McGuire Sosa home run derby when you'd step up and go watch the TV because it was you know something big was happening. Mahomes the ball late in the game, you can't go anywhere else. You're watching the you're watching that game. Coquel, we brought up the Chiefs earlier, and Theo and Ken kind of shut it down early, and I even brought Juju into the mix. Right Don't now, work. it's Juju, it's MVS, Marquez <laughs> Valdez, Scanling, Sky Moore, Justin Ross. Like I think they run it back, and we did our obligatory football segment earlier in the week most dynamic offenses in the league, top three. I had the Chiefs at one. I mean, I don't think they drop off. I think Patty Mahomes now kind of has some sort of chip on his shoulder with not getting to the bowl last year and getting beaten by that young cat. I mean, I, I think the Chiefs are going to dominate this year. I'm with you 100%. Yeah, I don't know why they would write off the Chiefs besides Ken not really knowing football. Plus, he's also sour because Tyreek Hill is going to average four yards a catch this year because his rag arm's thrown in the ball. Watch so it. So that, that's what he's worried about Watch there. But Clyde Edwards Hilaire, too. That offense is good all around. They're uh, going to morph. They're going to change. Uh, and we'll see what Tyreek Hill is without Patrick Mahomes. That dude's special. What I will say, the play calling for the Chiefs, and thanks for the call, Coquel. Let's get him out of here before he has any more promo uh, reads to get off. Uh, thanks for the call, Coquel. I will say about that Chiefs offense, the, the, the diagrams, the plays that they draw up, especially in the red zone, some of the uh, best TV especially when they get within 20 yards. Uh, let's get another call in before we uh, have Mike Tannenbaum come on. We're going to get in Ricky from West Palm Beach. Ricky, what is the best show in sports when it's all clicking? We've heard the Chiefs. We've heard the Warriors. We've heard Usain Bolt. Who you got, Ricky? 1997 through 2009, Tiger Woods. Easy. Mm. Easy. 
Tiger in Nothing the red. was better than that. Is there any- Nothing was better than that. Nothing could beat him. The dude had to show up with a B-minus game, and it was a joke. What's your favorite round of golf from Tiger? Probably the last round in the 2000 U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. Great. Runs around, doesn't make a bogey, beats Ernie and Miguel Angelinas by 15. Yep, great call. Stone um, brought it up early. Stupid good. Stupid good. Thanks for, thanks for the call. Hey, that was right on point, Stone. You brought it up earlier. Uh, you can't get better than Tiger in red, especially when he was in his prime. No, and I loved his point. He said even when he brought his B game, that he was going to dominate. I mean, yeah. when Tiger was in his bag, there was no competition. He was playing on that course by himself. We take a break from finals talk, from game one of the NBA finals talk, to talk some NFL, and we're going to hope that our, our next guy that we bring on here, Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN insider, former GM, is not bringing his B game with us today here on Ken Levick Alive. It's Theo Dorsey and Stone Labanowitz. Mike T, first and foremost, uh, how did you feel? Did you even watch that game, one of the NBA Finals? Yeah, of course I did. As someone representing Steve Kerr, I probably watched my former client take his team to the Finals once <laughs> again. So, I, of course, I was watching. So what was that fourth quarter like then? Because it felt like one of those inevitable games where the Warriors have it in the bag, they rest Steph Curry at the top of the fourth or up a dozen, and then it all just happened so quick, right? Yeah, that's uh, the beauty of uh, NBA playoff games. You know, they just uh, switch so quickly, and both teams, you know, shot the three so well. And I think most of us thought by the end of the third quarter, Golden State was going to win home game, you know, playing well. But give the Celtics credit, and you know, Al Horford first career playoff uh, NBA final game, and he was the difference. And I think these are two teams that are evenly matched, and I'd be surprised if it didn't go seven games. That is the, the thought on the mind of everybody out here, especially myself that wants to see some great basketball. We got Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN insider, former GM of the Jets, and a guy who knows football. So instead of talking basketball, I want to go to the football, to the turf. What do you think is the greatest show in the NFL currently right now when it's all firing on all cylinders? You know, I still go with the Chiefs. You know, just uh, despite losing Tyreek Hill, I think Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the sport, and they could put up points a lot of different ways with Travis Kelsey, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and they drafted someone, Sky Moore, who I think won't be Tyreek Hill, but I think he'll be very explosive. So I still think, starting with their quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, Chiefs are still the most uh, explosive offense. Mike, I brought up the Chiefs as well, and I've been asking about Juju. What kind of season should we expect from Juju? Because I don't see any drop-off. I think he kind of has this chip on the shoulder, and he kind of elevates this game, and he's never had a guy like Patty Mahomes throwing the ball, being able to extend plays. I mean, Ben was slow. Ben wasn't able to do it. What should we expect from Juju? You know, I think he's a guy that's going to be productive from a catch standpoint, but I, I don't think he's um, someone, someone that defense fears just because he struggles running. So I could see, you know, a number of catches, but not a high yards per catch. And he's someone that is more of a slot receiver who's not a true difference maker on the outside. Mike, see, we're getting into the summer months, and of course, we see you on all of the um, the car wash of shows on ESPN. I-, I wonder, especially with football right now, as we get into these summer months, which topic are you just damn tired of talking about that just keeps getting brought up around the NFL? And if it's an Aaron Rodgers topic, I can I can relate. But what do you think for you specifically is the topic you're tired of? Yeah, that's exactly it right there. You know, is Aaron <laughs> Rodgers going to play? Is Aaron Rodgers going to be their OTAs? You know. Aaron Rodgers is a great player, and it's like the gift that keeps on giving for ESPN. 
It is. It is. As much as he does on the field for the Packers, he definitely does for the headlines and the talk shows as well. Do you think um, we, we have a clip that we're going to play here soon from Russell Wilson, who, who obviously switched jerseys this offseason going from the Seahawks to the Broncos. I think every NFL preseason, there's always that shock and awe of, oh, damn, I forgot that that guy went there. or I forgot that this guy got traded or picked up a free agency. Who do you think will be the biggest one that people will kind of be shocked by when the preseason does come around and you realize, oh, that guy's suiting up for now a contender? Well, that's a great question. You know, I think Khalil Mack, because I think Khalil wow. Mack, you know, the Chargers went out and did a great job. You know, they added J.C. Jackson. They drafted, I think, one of the better offense linemen in Zion Johnson. But Khalil Mack, to me, is a guy that is a true difference maker and could end games and I wouldn't say he was anonymous in Chicago, but there was certainly a fair amount of anonymity just given the fact that, you know, the Bears were far from a national team. So I think Khalil Mack being a Charger is a little bit of an underrated national storyline. Awesome. I love it. I know you're a Herbert guy, so I'm going to ask you about the Chargers here in a second. But, Mike, I want to I wanna do team win totals with you. I'm going to give you five teams and what how many games they're expected to win. You just tell me over and under. And when we get into the season, when you join the show, we'll have the Mike Tannenbaum tracker. So I will start with the Chargers. I know Justin Herbert is your boy. Yesterday on uh, ESPN West Palm Tonight, you said you wanted to play golf with him against Brady, or I think with Brady against Justin Herbert, but I'll start with the Chargers. Over or under 10 wins? I'll go over. I think they win the division. I think they attack their needs. I thought they had a great offseason. And I, I look, as I just said, I really like the Chiefs still, but um, – I think the Chargers are the better team. Love it. Gotcha. Over. All right, let's go to the Miami Dolphins at nine flat. Over, under. I think that's really where they are. I, if I had to project, I think they win nine games. I think wow. they're right there as like the seventh or eighth best team. You know, my concern for them is, you know, they did a great job of acquiring really good skill players, but uh, I just still have questions about Tua and, you know, where does he rank in, in quarterbacks in the AFC? But, um, Certainly on paper, you know, they got a lot better on offense, and I think they'll be a lot of fun to watch. Awesome, awesome. All right, let's head over to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. 11 and mm. a half wins, over or under? You know, I'm going to say over. I think um, uh. getting Akeem Hicks was really important. Um, he helps the interior of that defense, and, uh, you know, this is a team, I think it's a little bit of an underrated storyline, guys. Like, I'm a big fan of Todd Bowles. I work with Coach Bowles. I think he's a great coach, and um, I think that's a little bit of an underrated storyline. Are you at all worried about the the injury? I mean, the the age of that team, and also with Godwin not being back ready for the start of the season, just the concern of injuries with a team like the Bucks. Yeah, you know, a little bit. You know, similar situation with a team like Dallas with Gallup. You know, losing Amari Cooper, but you know, you look at the uh, Bucks; they just have so many other weapons. Like, I think Godwin's a great player, but I think they'll be able to hold the you know sort of like hold the course until uh, you know he gets back, and he's a meaningful piece. But they'll be fine without him. Awesome stuff from Mike Tannenbaum so far. All right, let's go to who we just mentioned, Russell Wilson, and the Broncos at 10 games flat, over-under. I'm going to go under. I think they can win nine, but you know that's a historically tough division. Yep. You know, they may, he may play great, um, and they win nine games. So it's one of those things where there's you know just – that's a really rigorous division, but um, ten, 10 is a little bit too much for me. I'm with you on that under, no doubt. All right, two more, Mike. Jets, five-and-a-half games, over or under? Your boys. Uh, I can go over. I can see them winning six or seven. I uh, have a lot of concerns about the quarterback, but I thought they also had a productive offseason. Gotcha. All right, and I know last one I got for you, your boy, Mac Jones, and the Patriots with Bill Belichick, eight-and-a-half games. It seems kind of right on the money, over or under? I'm going to go over. Um, 
think Mac Jones is a little underrated. I'm more concerned about their defense. I thought Mac Jones actually played well against Buffalo in the playoff game. I think it's their defense that there's more question marks, but uh, I can't go against Coach Belichick and his incredible track record. A lot of overs there from Mike T. I like the optimism, especially at this time in the uh, in the NFL offseason. Uh, Mike, before you leave us here on Ken Levick Alive, a word from Greco Chevrolet? Yeah, guys. Uh, Greco Chevrolet, conveniently located Federal Highway in Delray Beach. They have a great selection of cars, new, certified, pre-owned, used. It's a great car buying experience. Uh, I got a Chevy Tahoe from them and absolutely love it. Thanks again, Mike T. Checking in with some NFL topics for us to kind of spill over here on Ken Levick Live. Thanks for your time, Mike. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good weekend. You too. Mike Tannenbaum. You can follow him on Twitter at Real Tannenbaum. Of course, ESPN Insider, former Jets GM, former Miami Dolphins executive vice president. And he has so many overs stone. I do like the optimism from him. Uh, he went, I guess, he only had one where he picked right on the line. Right, which which I wanted to ask again because I know he's been a Dolphins hater. So he kind of just left us on the cliff there yeah. at nine flat. Is nine that an over flat. or an under? I, I would probably go I would probably go under with the Dolphins this year. Because if you're a betting man and you bet that the Dolphins win nine games and put a hundred dollars down, I'm sure you'd win close to like ninety thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. Like like if you're just picking that they win that exact amount of games. So I wanted that over and under, but I don't know. It it does seem right on the money for the Finns. I seeing them with uh double digit wins at the end of the season would be very surprising. Yeah, it would I, be. I don't know if they get it done, so I'd like nine or under and, and it's sad to say, because I'm riding with two in the squad this year. I, I would I would as well. It's a, it's obviously a, a well constructed roster, a rookie head coach, a quarterback that's unproven. Um he did go get himself a left tackle in Saran Armstead from the Saints. Like I do like what the Dolphins are building, but I would be very hesitant to put my own hard-earned money, yeah. which I just spent half of it on my little trip to Montego Bay. I don't got much of it left. <laughs> I'm not putting it on those Dolphins to get double-digit wins. How about I give you five teams, and we go over and see what you can make shake. Let's rock with we'll it. We'll also do a Theodore track tracker. Every time you know we when football season starts yeah. up, we'll, we'll keep track. We'll all do it. But make right sure now, you write these down in stone. With a stone, I need you to write them down in stone with a pen. All right, because these are stone-cold locks from Theo. Say less. All right, let's go to Trevor Lawrence and the Jags at six games flat, over or under. Bounce back year for Lawrence? I'm going under. I'm wow. going under. Only, only, because, only because I don't quite believe in them year one right now. Like, coming off of that tumultuous year one under, you know, Urban Meyer. Yeah. I, I just – I would not bet them to win seven or more games. H-Town. Let's go over to Houston. They do get two games against the Texans, though. Yikes. Right. Okay, let's go over to the Houston Texans. Four and a half wins. Over or under? Over. Okay. Over. You have some faith in Davis Mills. I have faith in them being able to scrap together wins. Also, it is a bad division. I, I Like, with the Jaguars, I think the Texans and Jaguars are going to have similar records around five or six wins. Um, I think the Texans get it done. All right, let's go to the Ravens. The Your boy, LJ. Eight big trust nine and a half games over or over. under easy over for me yeah easy over for me because of what the Ravens went through last year are we going to bank on them having another injury riddled year like them having another year where they can't get anything together they got rid of Marquise Brown I didn't necessarily like that but they got a good price for him and they got a bunch of tight ends in there I think they go back they might win like twelve games this year I love it I, lo- I love it if my hard earned money will most likely go on that over and the Bengals I think, I think might be overrated bet. too. Yeah, I think the Ravens try to get payback on the Bengals yeah. this year. I think they make it a point to win those either both of those games or at least one they of them. They got their heads knocked in by the Bengals. Yeah, they and, did. And I think they're a bit embarrassed. They'll bounce back. I love it. I love it. All right, time to rub it in WPTV's Tyree Smith and his New Orleans Saints. Under. I don't <laughs> give a damn what the what – the, what is it? What's, what's the line? Eight flat. Ooh, dang, that's a good number. You think Jameis comes in and gets it done? 
that's a, I, I got to go over, man. Okay, okay, okay. All I, right, I'll because cross you that also out. you also have to consider the division in, in this sense. Sure. Like you get two games against the Falcons and the Panthers. That's four games that you should win. You're going at least three and one in that stretch. The Bucks, I don't think, are even really that good. That I think that that number is high for them, eleven and a half. Yeah. I respect it. I actually do respect going over there because it's a good call on the three and one against the you know the bums in their division. So yeah. let's go to Kyler Murray, who is not to yet show up at OTAs at nine wins over under. I feel like that's a standard push out. Like they're just giving yeah. out nine wins. Like you know that that's kind of where the computer spits it out. There's no like human effect there. What do you got over or under? Well, I think it's a lot more. It's different doing these over unders, and I think we have to adjust as the computers also adjust now that there's 17 games in a regular season. Yeah, it, it it's a bit. Ticky tacky because it's weird to say a team like the Cardinals would win ten games, but ten and seven doesn't sound terrible. I love it. It, it doesn't sound off. So I might have to go over there, even though I believe in nothing that the Cardinals are doing. You don't have Hopkins for what the first six games of the season. Yep, and it will be on hard knocks. So who, uh, whoever, however that locker room, I would and actually staff can handle can I it. Switch? Can I go? Under? Yeah, no doubt. This under. is your money. I, I'm going under on that one. Cliff Kingsbury, not so sure about him as a coach. Kyler Murray's being moody and weird all off season. Hasn't shown up yet. And also, no Hopkins for the first six games. That defense is still kind of porous. I think the Cardinals, uh, they might disappoint this year. Two more for you, and this one is special because Vegas has yet to spit out the team total. They're mm. waiting to see what happens with Deshaun Watson and the Browns. So there is no win total posted for these so guys. So how can I pick it? Let's hear it. How many games do these Cleveland Browns win this <laughs> I don't know if Deshaun Watson will play. And, and judging by if, his, if he does or doesn't, right? Because Stevin, Kevin Stefanski just got asked two days ago yeah. if uh, Baker Mayfield was going to start week one. And he said, please stop asking me that question. So that's kind of the riddle here. You yeah. say how many games they're going to win. It's your money. you got to bet it. It's my money. It's, it's, a, it's a semi-tough division depending on what happens with the Bengals. Do they really bounce back? Do they have a Super Bowl hangover? I would say the Browns get nine wins this year. Wow. They're a competent team. Okay. They're a competent team. Deshaun Watson will play at some point this upcoming NFL season. And on top of all of that, they have a run game, an offensive line, and a, stu- a, a, a sturdy defense. I'm not so sure how great that defense is, but it's a pretty sturdy defense. Miles Garrett up front. Yeah. I like the Browns to win nine games. I'm going to go under. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fade the Browns all season long. Under what, though? I, 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 under I, nine? I, let's go under nine. I think they did my boy Baker dirty, and, and Karma is a B. So uh, they're going to win six games. Well, so is Baker. They're going uh, to they, <laughs> they're gonna win six games. Last one for you. Cowboys, ten and a half games oh. over, under. That's a little steep. So high. So you're telling me if I go over, I'm saying the Cowboys go 11 and six. Yep. If I go under, I'm saying they do no better than 10 and seven. Correct. <sighs> Dallas Cowboys in that division, I love what the Eagles did this offseason. Uh, the commanders of of our nation's capital, <laughs> I don't believe in them a lick. Um, and then you got the Giants who are still playing with the Daniel Jones experiment. How long is this experiment going to go? This is the last year of that, right? Yeah, we'll see. It's really tough with guys who have high ceilings yeah. and are still young. I mean, that's obvious. That's me but saying how nothing high is wise. The ceiling? It's high. It's how? high. He's he's competent. He's able to extend plays. He's got a big arm. Yeah. Like like with Fair. his speed, like we've seen them get into some RPO stuff. And now they got rid of their OC. And I think things change. They kind of lean on you get on Dayball. Him. You get Dayball who turned Josh Allen around. 100%. I, th- I think Dayball does, can do a lot. They're almost similar. And I, I dare I say that, but in stature and speed and arm strength, and yeah. obviously Daniel Jones' arm is not as strong as Josh Allen's, but I think they're similar players in a sense. Yeah. 
with, with you talking up Daniel Jones and with me knowing what the rest of that division shakes out like, I'm going to go with the Cowboys over. And, and here's why. I like the year two and three guys coming out of this Dallas Cowboys team. I love it. I like Micah Parsons, who was a defensive player of the year candidate as a rookie. As a rookie, as an edge rusher, as a linebacker, wherever they put him on the field, he was one of the best defenders in the NFL. I like him elevating his game to another level. I like CeeDee Lamb as the number one receiver, elevating his game. And I like Dak Prescott with a bit of a proven year. Sorry, I know I said that was the last one, but I'm really, really curious about those boys in black in Vegas. Those Raiders, eight and a half games over, under. Okay, so I do have to see Brian McLovin Rowett, uh, McLovin Rowitz tonight um, at TV at WPTV. Okay, when so, we stop so be in. smart here. So he might be listening. I don't want to screw this one up. Eight and a half for the Raiders. They got Devontae Adams, right? That is uh, correct. They still have Darren Waller. That is correct. They still have Hunter Renfro. Yes, sir. They got Derek Carr. They, he's there. I mean, he's there. He's a top 12 quarterback, as people like to say. What a diss. What a diss to Derek Carr that everybody always calls him and, a top 12 quarterback. Yeah, well, I thought you were going to say what a diss I just did after gassing up Daniel no, Jones no. and yeah. going, eh, to Derek Carr. It's just a hilarious thing that people cling to his name. Yeah, Derek Carr, top 12 quarterback. That's when you know you're not that good. Yeah, it's when you know you're 12. Yeah, you're number 12. It, it just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. So, so over, under. Over, under, eight and a half. I'll go over for, oh, no, wait, that division. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that is a bloodbath. But eight and a half, I think they could pull out nine wins. I'm going over with the Raiders. Okay, I love it. There it is. I'm going over with the Raiders. Everything's uh, tracked. We'll see how it plays out, Theo. That was fun. We got all of that written in stone. We got me versus Mike T. We'll see if I can outduel uh, a guy that literally does this for a living. I doubt it, but we'll see. Uh, we are going to touch on exactly and precisely what I think is missing from these NBA Finals. A great game one. The Warriors were toppled at home 120 to 108. The biggest glaring missing thing that I saw from last night in the NBA Finals and what was an incredible, incredible game one. I'll tell you that on the other side here on Ken Levick Live. For Stone LeBanowitz, I'm Theo Dorsey filling in for Ken Levick, and we're live here on ESPN 1063. You are listening to Ken Levick Live on ESPN 1063. And we're presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Visit fau.edu slash MBA Sport. What an incredible night from the NBA Finals. A record-setting night. A night that I'm sure, especially for the fan stone of not just the Celtics or Warriors, but if you're just a fan of basketball, to sit back and watch that was incredible. It was breathtaking. It gave you everything you could have asked for in a Finals game. Yeah, even though these postseasons have been full of blowouts, they've still been delivering. Mm. There's all, these games are fascinating if they're not, you know. But this one was not. This one was. This one was just was awesome. Great. This was one great. was great. And a lot of the lead changes here and there. Steph and them were hot in the first quarter, but the Boston never really went anywhere. They, they never went away. They never went away. Like yeah. even early in that first quarter, I think uh, Golden State went up nine, and it was like, uh oh, you know, this could get out of hand. National yeah. Blowout Association. Boston was right there, sturdy, stood on all ten, and just kind of kept fighting. They bounced back. Friday Night Light, Stone Labanowitz right there. I'm Theo Dorsey in for Ken Levick Alive, and we are talking about what was just, it was breathtaking. 43-pointers in Game 1 of the NBA Finals. That broke an NBA Finals record by five. I'm talking 40 combined by both teams. The Celtics hit 21. The, the Warriors hit 19. That's one record. You had Steph Curry in the first quarter, six three-pointers made. That's another NBA Finals record. You got a guy like Al Horford. He's played more than 140 postseason games before finally making the finals. What does he do in game one of the finals? He sets a postseason record with six three-pointers made. That's the most by anybody in their debut in the NBA Finals. It's the final stage. It's all the glamour. 
but it was also all of the show. It was prime time. And, and, and Stone, I, I couldn't help but think as I sat on my couch with my pizza and I watched this game. <laughs> I was loving the game. Yeah. I was loving the game, but something felt missing. And, and I asked you what it was over the break, yes. and you refused to tell me. I, I wouldn't tell you over the break because I have to tell you here on the airwaves here on ESPN 106.3, as I watched every three-pointer go in, each one of those 40, there was somebody's voice I just was, I was yearning to hear. Who was it? There was a certain word I wanted screamed out from the mountaintops. And I'm talking about Mike Breen. Mike Breen <laughs> being out with COVID Bang! in game one of the NBA Finals is the biggest loss, biggest failure for us as NBA fans because, dude, all six of those Curry first quarter threes, no bang? We would have been banging four minutes into the game. Dog. All 40 of them. He might have just said, you know what, I'm going to bang every single one of these. He and just should bang, have. Bang, he bang, should. bang, bang. I know Mike Breen was somewhere on his couch, hopefully doing well, hopefully recovering from COVID, if that is what it was. I'm not even sure if that was confirmed. I know ESPN had uh, Woj out as well. Yep. And just Stan Van Gundy. Person, and Stan Van Gundy out. Um, so Mike Breen out for game one of the finals. We have Mark Jones, who who did the best of his capabilities. He did his job. No no shade to a brother. Tough shoes to fill. Tough shoes to fill. And you're talking about we'd lose Mike Breen for the game where we get the most threes in finals history and an incredible comeback. Think about how many bangs he would have had to hit on the Horford threes, on the Jalen Brown threes in that fourth quarter. It would have been incredible. Yeah, you know, there's these memes going around, um, whether it's on any social media platform where – it's Mike Breen's bang, and, and the caption yeah. is, if you're, <laughs> when you're on the opposite team and Mike Breen gives you bang. Like, just imagine being a Warriors fan, you know, mm. and we'll, we'll play that timeout audio because it's some of my favorite stuff I've ever seen. But, you know, Warriors, you're down three, there's five minutes left, and you just get bang, bang, bang. Ooh. Because the Celtics made nine three-pointers in that fourth quarter, which tied for the most in any quarter in finals history. Yes. So he would have been banging late. And loud all in that Warriors team's face. There would have been so many bangs. There would have been so many bangs in Chase Center. And, and they're not used to getting banged on. Absolutely not. The Warriors are used to being on the right side of the bang. But there would have been a lot of villainous road team bangs delivered by Mike Green. And I think that's what we missed out on most in the game one of those NBA Finals. Let's kick it back, though, because I do want to hear that audio. So this is in the fourth quarter. The Warriors are... Down three at this point, right? Yeah, 103 to 106, they are down. They're down three, 103, 106 to the Celtics. They're coming out of a time timeout, and they're doing that uh, that picture-in-picture picture thing where they're showing the Warriors huddle. They're showing Steve Kerr trying to tell his team how we're going to bounce back, how we're going to get back from this hole that the Celtics have put us in because they had a 12-point lead going into the fourth. Yeah. Let's listen in here on ABC's coverage of Game 1 of the NBA Finals in this pivotal moment. Right now, they got a little momentum. Immediately, immediately after he says that. We got to go one more time. One more time. Here's Kurt, Kurt is telling the boys, you know, we're in good shape. Get a stop here. Knock down a shot. We'll get the crowd behind us. Yeah. Right now, they got a little momentum. We got a bucket. We got a stop. We got a crowd back in. We're in great shape. Man, and, and, and the worst part of it, that was what? That might have been his third or second three of the quarter at that point, Al Horford. He was standing alone at the top of the key. Yep. Nobody in sight. As soon as he caught it, he lined it up. He fired it, drilled it right through the net, and everything he shot looked like gold last night. Yeah, it was 
awesome. I've never seen him score 26 points with my own eyes and going six for eight in his final debut. I mean, bravo. A yep. lot of guys can, can kind of look up to him and use him as motivation. Because I bet if you asked him three, four years ago if he'd be in the situation, you know, like the, the arrogant, like athlete side of you that you need to have, that yeah. delusional side, he'd be like, of course, hell yeah. But the real answer is probably not. But him and this Boston team, homegrown, seven of the guys drafted. Same with the Warriors. I mean, give it up for Al Horford. That was awesome. It was awesome. Who or what is the greatest show in sports when we're talking about it's firing on all cylinders, everything's going right, the machine is churning. I've said it was the Warriors. Stone Stone has had a list of guys. We'll get to some of those guys as well. We've heard about the, you know, one team I haven't heard, the New York Knicks. I'm sure the, those fans are uh, are reaching back to their 90s days. Yeah, this question and, and topic's just not for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just, we just leave them out of this one. So, sorry, guys. John Stark's not going to cut it. Who or what is the greatest show when it's all going in sports? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Call in or you can tweet at me at TV. I really do think when this Warriors machine is churning, it, it, there's nothing like it. And it's not just because of their shot making. It's not just because of the 35-foot threes that Steph Curry can deliver. It's not because of the off-the-flare screen, Klay Thompson fading into the corner, off-balance, one-foot three-pointers he nails. In the, you know, it, it's an, all of that is incredible. It's also just the, the majesty, the, the, the way that they move the ball around. I know Jalen Rose has this saying. He says the ball has energy. The ball has energy, mm. and when the ball starts moving around and everybody touches it and it's passing from player to player – it, 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 that energy continues to build. Mm-hmm. You know what they say about energy? You can n- neither uh, create nor destroy it. You know what I'm saying? You okay. can only transfer energy. Okay. And when that ball has energy and they're whipping it around and doing the back screens and the flares and they're coming off of the – like, it is beautiful. And that's what they had cooking last night. That's why I thought there was no way. When that third quarter happened and the Golden State Warriors closed it with the Andre Iguodala three from the corner. Oh, yeah. They were up by 12 going into the final frame. Steph Curry on the bench with a towel over his head because he always gets rest in the beginning of the fourth quarter. I thought there's no way the Celtics can recover from this. Yeah, and it started with Jalen Brown. Yeah. Early in that fourth, he, he made his presence known, and by God, that dude turns the ball over more than any basketball player I've ever it's seen. It's the worst. He had one on a fast break. I know you remember it. Taking it down by himself. It, it was one-on-one. It was just by himself down there. He takes it up the right side realizes that he's not going to get to the cup, gets shielded, and he turns around and just throws it into the into the air. Steph Curry caught that one like a punt. Literally like a punt. Like a Stone Lebanowitz pass. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. Whatever. (laughs) So it was like a Stone Lebanowitz pass. It went went the other way. And to be honest, I think that possession ended up Warriors not scoring and then Marcus Smart coming down and hitting another three. Yeah. yeah. It it wasn't the one thing about this Celtics team, and, and I keep seeing the word resilient. And that's the word that everybody keeps on using when talking about them. I don't know if they are a team of destiny. I never know how to call those in the moment. It's easier to really be able to – that's one of those things that's easier to diagnose once it's already happened. Mm-hmm. Because when pe- whenever people try to call out a team of destiny in the moment, it just feel, there's a fakeness about it. There's a fraudness about it where I'm just like, I don't know. And this we- team believes they're a team of destiny, and they never really feel like they're out of it. They do crumble in big spots. But they have this irrational confidence. and they, the, the delusion. They're, they're delu- the delusion that you kind of need at that yeah. level. Derek White taking these threes like in rhythm he as if he's a shooter. Night. He had five As if he's a shooter. Al Horford taking these threes in rhythm. Marcus Smart launching them up. You know he's going to do that either way. <laughs> um, but if you're a Warriors fan out there right now and you felt like you had game 1-1, one, one, 
and you're on the other side of it now. You're down 0-1. You lost home court advantage in the NBA Finals. Draymond Green, after Game 1 of the NBA Finals, after the Celtics, I don't want to call it a Warriors collapse because the Celtics just took over that quarter and won it. After they outscored the Warriors 40-16 to in the fourth frame to win that game on the road, Draymond Green kind of in real time, after he was asked the question, rationalized in his mind and out loud why he and any of the Warriors faithful shouldn't really be so nervous going forward in this series. For what, 15 out of 8, or a smart 7, 8, 15 for 23. I'm half right. 8, 7, and 8, 8, 7, and 8. Yeah, that's 23, right? Yeah. 15 for 23 from those guys, yeah. You know, so be fine. Yeah, that's Draymond Green talking about those guys would be Al Horford, Marcus Smart, and I believe Derek White. Yep. Derek White, Al Horford, and Marcus Smart, two of those guys are not shooters. Marcus Smart and Derek White are guys that on the scouting report, you close out, but it's a late closeout. Sure. Al Horford can knock knock him down somewhat, but he's still not a guy that's that big of a threat. For them three to go 15 for 23. Draymond Green and the Warriors got to know. There's no way it's happening again. It's regression of the mean. Like, like when, when a team comes out hot in the first quarter, you simply take that second quarter under. Like, it's just what happens. It's yeah. just how things go. So I agree with Draymond. Eh, they will be fine. I expect a big Game 2 win at home and a bounce back for the boys. But, man, here, here's what's interesting about you mentioned the team of destiny. The Celtics team. And those guys were mentioning, right, Al Horford, Derek White, Marcus Smart, they're not scary on the offensive end. They have zero minutes, zero minutes played in the finals before. Zero. Yeah. And this this Warriors team, I mean, it's just an unlimited. Like a thousand, club. yeah. A, a thousand, <laughs> and they're going to be here the year after, and the year after, yeah. or in five years. Like they're, if, if they all stay together, they'll be here again. So it's just really, really interesting to see these guys who have not been here before being down 12 going into the last quarter just go unconscious. Yeah. Like, like. Josh Cohen on Josh Cohen and the home team from 4 to 6 mentioned it yesterday. He said in sports like football, in baseball, the guys who have more experience typically have the advantage when you get in these moments. But basketball's different because these guys, right? We talk about Derek White. He was a zero-star recruit out of high school. No offers. Ended up playing Division Two. And look at him now. Like, like I don't think it matters if you have experience. So I agree with Josh there, and it showed last night that well, these guys who have never played before just go out and hit nine threes in the fourth and blow them out 40-16. to 16. And that's the reason why if basketball was, you know, if it was a single-game elimination sport, right? experience doesn't matter. I think where experience begins to take part and starts to play a bigger role is the fact that it is a seven-game series. So if you are on the side of the Warriors faithful, you have to think about it. You're going up against a rookie head coach in Ime Udoka. He's a great guy that came from a great background, coached on some great staffs, including the San Antonio Spurs, but still, his first time in the lead role. You have Steve Kerr, who's been in the NBA Finals as a player and won them. He's been in these NBA Finals as a coach and won them. Let me say, Steve Kerr was 21-2 and two in Game 1s in the postseason yeah. leading up to last night. Yeah, experience is on the side of the Warriors Easily, and experience comes into play in these seven-game series, not in a one-off, not in one quarter, not in one half, not in one game. It comes into play throughout a series because you have to be able to make adjustments. You have to learn how to seize the moments. And I think one big moment that the Warriors didn't seize on and an opportunity, I think, where they really lost the game. Actually, you know what, Stone? We'll, we'll talk about that. We'll take a break, and I'll tell you exactly where in the Warriors' lineup decisions they really lost it because there were two specific spots in the second half that I think the Warriors 
could have made a certain adjustment and might have pulled out the win and maybe survived that onslaught of threes from the Celtics. We'll touch on that here on Ken Levick Alive right after we go to break. For now, we're live here on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. And we're presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Visit fau.edu slash MBA sport. You know, game two of the NBA Finals won't get tipped off until Sunday at 8. Big gap. Not like the conference finals when we had every other day. So if you're thirsting for some great sports some athletic events to just gaze your eyes on and enjoy through the weekend as you wait on the NBA Finals to get revved back up. Well, how about we talk some tennis? Take it to the clay, huh? Let's do it. You cool with that, Stone? I'm very cool with it. You know I am. Delray Beach's own Coco Golf advanced to the final of the French Open. She is, what, 18 years old? 18 now. 18 years old, one of the youngest to advance to a Grand Slam final. Stone... As I was getting hype about this during the break, though, you, you kind of rained on my parade. What do we think is happening in this final tomorrow? Yeah, so it's a really nice story, the fact that Coco Goff has gotten to this major final without dropping a set, yeah. right? So she's just taking everybody 2-0, 2-0, 2-0, just has not dropped a set. The problem is she's got the world's number one tomorrow. tomorrow. Mm. The Polish Iga Swiatek has won 35 matches in a row. Great pronunciation there, too. I you love like it. that? Yeah. You like that? Yeah. I mean, it's been some years that I've been following this chick. She's 21 years old. So it's a 21-year-old versus an 18-year-old. The 21-year-old's the number one player in the world. There is just no holding her right now. Coco's going to have to dig deep and find a certain level that I don't know if she even has. I mean, we I, we saw her a couple years ago beat Venus, mm. and she brought out a level that we didn't know was out there, you know, with these young kids. So, but I, I think the one thing going for Coco is that they're both super young. Yes. Like, just imagine being 18 and 21. Like, you almost feel the same age in a sense. And you're like, I can get her right now. She's not older. She's not a veteran. But, dude, she is mowing through the competition. 35 matches in a row. Incredible. Four, four titles straight. She's a giant favorite. She's a 7-1 to one favorite tomorrow against Coco. So, so, fingers crossed for Del Rey's own, but I don't think she has a shot. There, This is where stars are born. They're born on the biggest stages. We're talking NBA Finals all day. This is where you get your name made. And for Coco Golf, which tomorrow I'll be at the Delray Beach Market as they'll be having a watch party, a viewing party for Coco Golf, as she tries to secure her first ever Grand Slam title, this is where you do it. You got to prove it. You got to earn it. Nothing easy, right? Yeah, nothing easy. So here's what I'll tell you because you will be watching it. That first 10, 15 minutes of the match will tell you everything. Yeah. Whether you want to go home and leave early, if she's down bad in that 10, 15 minutes, go ahead and go home. Yeah. Go get you some lunch at the marketplace. I know there's a lot of good food there. A lot of good food. And then roll on out because it's only going to get uglier for Coco. Coco has shown us, and and I'm not faulting her for it, but she's only 18. Yeah, yeah. So if she goes down 4-0 in that first set, a double break, she might Uh. throw in the towel. There's just not a lot you can do when the avalanche is coming your way. Yeah. But that's on the women's side. Rafa Nadal, the inevitable. Yes, I want, sir. I wanted to bring him up when we were talking about rolling on all cylinders, what uh. guys what guys could do that. And I didn't just want to bore you and Ken. But there are there's one of them, but there's two others, and it's Rafael Nadal, it's Novak Djokovic, and Roger Federer. Those dudes, the big three. Let's talk about Rafa right now because he owns the French Open in the red clay. When Rafa gets going, yeah. there is nobody that can get in that man's way. He's a monster. He's a robot. He's a machine. He can do it all. He just beat a world number three today to advance to the final. And the guys right now who are playing aren't going to be able to contend with him. He's going to be another giant favorite, actually. And it's funny because um, Rafa was in the final last year and Iga 
on the girls' side. Yeah. Igor Vitek, we're on the final, and here they are again. And they're both going to take the trophy. So Novak won it last year, but Nadal, man, he's a machine. Yeah. He's, and, and, and you're going to watch that. Sunday, we had to wait for Rafael Nadal, but you got to get your eyes on that. Even if you're not a tennis fan, watching this guy play is going to be special, and it might make you a fan. So, so don't just write tennis off like that because you got one of the greatest of all time in front of you on yeah. Tennis Channel on Sunday. I'll, I'll give him a shot. Then I know for sure I'll be watching golf. I'll see if I can get some Rafa in as well this weekend. So much before Game 1 of the NBA Finals. You know what else is going to be a show that nobody wants to miss this upcoming fall <laughs> is... The Denver Broncos' new quarterback, Russell Wilson, who gave us some golden content once again. This was actually tweeted out by the official Denver Broncos Twitter, and it got quote-tweeted and retweeted so many different places. Just take a listen right quick as Russell Wilson tries to get Broncos fans. Remember, he just got traded from the Seahawks to the Broncos. He's trying to get them to get pumped up for the season. Let's ride. Let's ride. Broncos. Let's ride. Perfect. Okay. One more time. Broncos country, let's ride. Broncos country, let's ride. Oh, my God. Broncos country, let's ride. What is happening? Broncos country, let's ride. Dude. Broncos country, let's ride. Let's ride. They set him up. Why would the Denver Broncos account tweet that out, I mean, one? it's crap because the Dolphins did it to Tua, and now the Broncos just did it to Russ. It is. What, what are we doing? Are we, is it self-sabotage? Do you want people talking bad about your starting quarterbacks? Also, how did this dude back Sierra? I still need answers. <laughs> you got the answer. We showed you the audio. He pulled the wallet move. Oh, my God. Where she's like, damn, that wallet's busted. And he was like, nah, it's just experience. I know. Like I me. know. I know. Or whatever it was. He's super corny, and, and I'm happy for him and Sierra. And, he, and I'm not being one of those guys that's hating on the marriage or not. I'm just saying, like, that dude is so corny. He's I mean, so corny. We can go ahead and, and talk a relationship, right? We both got girls. Here's the thing. I think that he, he bagged Sierra in kind of like a default way, right? You go from somebody so cool, lives a certain lifestyle like future, yeah. and it tires you out. So now you're just, you turn and you look for the boring. You look for the safe. You look the, He's for hilariously the, corny, though. Maybe you, that's what it is. Maybe it's kind that, of charming. That, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. She's like, I'm so tired yeah. of going out every night and partying and having to keep my energy up. Yeah. This guy just sits at home, and he's a dork. He is a dork. So, so you, you know got what? Russ. He, he's, he's a damn good quarterback, and we'll see what the Broncos do this upcoming fall. Let's get back to the finals. I teased it before the break. Uh, Stephen Curry sitting with a towel over his head to start the fourth quarter. The Warriors up 12. Jalen Brown took over in that moment in the finals. Steve Kerr and, and the Warriors always do this. They stick to the rotations. They trust in the guys that they bring off the bench. But in this series, when you can't give up a single frame, a single quarter, a single half, a single game, Jordan Poole being out there and getting torched by Jalen Brown on one side and being unable to get a bucket on the other was a major, major miss by the Warriors. They could have put Curry back out there and stepped on the Celtics' throats, but they gave them life. And after Jalen Brown carried the Celtics, Al Horford came in for Robert Williams, yeah. did some more of the same, and it never stopped. At that point, bringing Curry in, which they did midway through the fourth, like they always do, was too little too late. And I think going forward for Steve Kerr, you can't give a single game, a single inch, a single breath of life to a team like the Celtics who have shown they're going to take it. Yeah, Jordan Poole could very much blow up this entire operation for Golden State. It's weird, too, because he could also make it completely the other way. Right, and he's a great, great, great scorer. He needs to understand this isn't his time and that he doesn't have that big of an effect, or at least the effect he thinks he has yeah. on this series. There was one, the shot clock was coming down, I believe it was before halftime or the end of the third. End of the third, I remember. And he's dribbling, and Clay is calling for the ball. I want it, I want it, I want it. 
This dude ends up just dribbling around James Harden style, throws it up, hits the top of the backboard. It was terrible. Like, if this guy thinks it's his moment, they will lose because of Jordan Poole. He is an X factor in all the wrong ways. Yeah, it is bad in that way. And um, I think more, uh, more precisely, if Jordan Poole doesn't find a way to pick his spots, then they're going to be bad. The Celtics defense is really good at ISO defense, at man-to-man defense. Like when they're right there in front of you, they're not as good when it comes to communication and being ran off of screens and whatnot. We saw a lot of that in the first half. Jordan Poole just attacking guys head-on, not the way to beat the Celtics. Game two of the NBA Finals Sunday night. We'll be watching that one along with you. For Stone LeBanowitz and Ken LaVica, I'm Theo Dorsey. We've been live on ESPN 106.3.